Hi, I'm Gene Okerlund. What you're about to see is the greatest tag team special in sports entertainment history right here on Pay-Per-View. The match and the movie. The movie, of course, the big blockbuster from last summer starring World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan. Titled No Holds Part. It was here that the rivalry, the feuding began between Hulk Hogan and Zeus, a man who would later be known as the Human Wrecking Machine. Greetings, jockasses and teeny wangers. This is Guy Hutchinson here with you for Camel Clutch Cinema. I'm here with Craig Cohen. Craig, how you doing? I'm all right. I think I'm about as ready as I can be for this movie. This is No Holds Barred from 1989, released on June 2nd. Which version did you watch? Um, I watched the the newly released um, DVD version, okay. uh, the digitally remastered version. Now there are there are some minor there's some minor differences that have happened to this film from the day it was released in theaters until the the DVD version. The in theaters it had the New Line Cinema logo, and then the version that I watched for this I watched multiple versions. I watched the regular VHS, which I'm holding right here. That's the sound of a VHS cassette, kids. I watched the regular VHS cassette, which is in a black and red box with Hulk Hogan's picture on the front. I also watched a VHS I had from 1989 from when they did, at Christmas time, they did a pay-per-view event where you watch the movie and you also got to see a match, which we'll get to later. And then... Uh, when they ran it that way, the logo at the beginning was New Line Cinema. So that's the uh, the only time people could see in their homes the movie with that New Line Cinema logo. Because when this VHS cassette came out, they had uh, switched to an RCA. It said RCA Home Video, and it would spin around in a circle. And it was it, it was weird because it was done with audio of the movie under it, and it, it really made the movie feel like it wasn't a movie. It was some kind of you know made for made for video thing which this was definitely in theaters yeah yeah and then when it came to home video they ran some commercials and in the commercials they the turnbuckles in the opening sequence have the wwf logo on it and in the commercials they digitally blacked those out but in the movie they didn't so the movie's completely uncut after you get the logo at the beginning which in your case was the wwe films logo yes so that's the only difference, though. They're, they didn't change anything. All the horribleness about this movie stayed intact. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. No, this, uh, this is very interesting. I saw this in theaters. I went to go see this opening day. I was there with a friend of mine. I remember the theater. Uh, it's not there anymore, but it was on Route 1 in Princeton, New Jersey. And I went to go see it, half full house, you know, on a on an opening, you know, Friday in the summer. I was young enough that I wasn't didn't have a job and didn't have to go to school. And so I I went into the theater, sat down and loved every second of this. What was the first time you saw this? Um, I'm, I'm really drawing a, a blank here. I know it wasn't in theaters because um, looking at it and we'll talk about this. It was a pretty busy si summer for movies. So I didn't see it in theaters, probably in home video. Uh, at some point, and I do know that we watched it together uh, a couple years ago. Yes. Oh boy. All right. Well, let's talk about the th the summer that was 1989. This opened June second. Uh, how did it do? Uh, it looks like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade made about 21 million dollars. Nice. Uh, and uh, No Holds Barred debuted at number two with uh, almost five million. All right. Now you know that's not bad. This this was a low budget independent film. You know, it was Hulk Hogan's first time being a star. And other than him, there's no real stars in this movie. So I think that's a pretty good number, actually. Oh, definitely. Opening against, uh, you know, the juggernaut that was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, who's coming on a, a, a sequel uh, to, you know, a sequel that was, what, five years in the making, I think. I think there was a five-year gap between uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. So you can imagine, you know, sure. I, I know I was. Um, I, I remember going to see Last Crusade opening weekend. Right. Well, I will tell you, I did not go see Last Crusade. Didn't see that until that was on home video. But I was there to watch Zeus win the Battle of the Tough Guys. That's... This, was, this was a big summer. Batman came out. Ghostbusters 2 came out this summer. 
Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Little Mermaid. I mean, this was a, a really big year for movies, 1980. Oh, oh yeah, and, and it's, it's funny. I mean, most of those movies came out within a, you know, a five-week period of each other. Yeah, very tough time for this to come out. Uh, Vince McMahon said that the this was an interesting story. Vince McMahon said that Hulk Hogan promised him that if the movie lost money, that he would return his salary. And on, on Monday Night Raw in October of 1997, during the Monday Night War, Vince said, said I guess the check's still in the mail. It hadn't cleared yet. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh boy let's talk about this movie i got a plot summary here for you this is no holds barred and hulk hogan plays rip and rip is the wwf champ a kind-hearted man who looks after his younger brother randy brell is an evil chairman of a tv network that is last in the ratings who knows if he can sign rip his network will be on top Unfortunately, Rip's word is his bond, and he's contracted to another network. So after Rip refuses to join the network and beats up all of Brel's thugs, Brel creates a new program called Battle of the Tough Guys. Battle of the Tough Guys is a much more sadistic show than the wrestling matches that Rip fights. The top fighter is a convicted murderer named Zeus, who Rip refuses to fight. Brell sends Samantha, beautiful corporate spy, to infiltrate Rip's inner circle. However, Rip's good nature wins her over, so Brell tries to have his thugs rape her. Luckily, Rip once again defeats Brell's thugs. And then Randy attends one of Zeus's matches, and he's spotted. Zeus beats up Randy and sends him to the hospital. So now a tearful Rip must accept Brell's challenge to fight Zeus in the ring in a match that few think he can win. As insurance, Brell kidnaps Samantha and threatens to hospitalize her if Rip doesn't take a dive during the match. However, Samantha escapes during the match and Zeus is defeated. Rip confronts Brell, who is accidentally electrocuted as fans cheer and the credits roll. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just uh, insane. If you, if you didn't know already that this was a real movie, you got to think I'm making this up. Oh, definitely. This was 1989. Hulk Hogan was on the top of his game, the biggest wrestling draw in the world. You know, this was, this guy was, you couldn't get bigger. This guy, wrestling itself was probably smaller than it is now, but he was bigger. Oh, sure. I mean, I think that was a period in wrestling where you would actually see a guy like Hulk Hogan on the cover of Time magazine. Right. Yeah, it was, it was big time. This is a nice movie. Starts right off with a bang. You get uh, you get Rip coming out, and he's basically Hulk Hogan, right? I mean, he uh, plays Hulk Hogan in this movie. He's just called Rip. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk to you about that because I, I was trying to figure out why they would have presented him as Rip and not just called him Hulk, even if it's a fictionalized version of Hulk. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a question I, I wonder about because he comes out, he's wearing the same attire Hulk Hogan wears only in different colors. And instead of saying Hulkamania, it says rip him. <laughs> and he uh, he comes out for this match, which I guess they filmed this probably during like a, you know, an episode of Wrestling Challenge or something. You know, this was sure. filmed as part of a WWE program, I guess, although they handed out all these rip them signs and flags and everything for the people in the crowd. But he comes out, he's got his manager with him and his yes. brother, Randy, which I find to be a big problem with this movie, not just the character, mm -hmm. which we could talk all about, but the fact that they named him Randy, who at the time was Hulk Hogan's, uh, friend in wrestling but certainly his rival for the top spot which is randy savage and then shortly after this movie came out became his biggest rival outside the ring yeah yeah that's a good point and and also i i, I wondered why randy was ringside uh, you think he had a manager's license yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so this is uh this is a real wrestling match we get at the beginning uh we've got howard finkel uh introducing the match you know he's the first lines of the movie come from howard finkel we got gene okerlin and jesse ventura providing your your run-of-the-mill commentary and we've got his opponent jake bullet who's played by bill Eady. this is acts of demolition this is the old guy in demolition when and i never put that together as a kid and i watched this movie a bunch of times yeah in demolition he sort of had his hair slicked back 
Yeah, and he, and he of course had the makeup and yeah. the demolition outfit, but it's a the same physique. He's got that physique. Doesn't look like you know much to fight against Rip, and he isn't. He loses to Rip pretty quickly. But while this match is going on, we're cutting back and forth to Brell watching the match. Yeah, yeah, and he's not happy. <laughs> yes, this is the most important thing in his world. Yeah, apparently the only thing people on TV are watching is Rip right. and the WWF, and he can't program anything it, it's around interesting it. interesting because his theory is that if he can get that jock ass on his network, he'll, he'll, he'll be number one. But yeah. right now, he's last in the ratings, which means there's a whole lot of competition between him and whoever has Rip. Yeah, you know what? I didn't even think about that. He had a lot of other competitors to, to, that he had to work his way through. Yeah, he's last in the ratings. Now, I don't know if it's just between the big three. I don't know where the WTN World well, Television Network places amongst the, the networks, but he's last in the ratings. Yeah. yeah. He, well, he then throws the first thing he throws in this movie, which is a remote control. <laughs> and it with a, with a whimper, it just sails across the room and goes tink, tink. And, and it shuts the TV off, right? Yes, and yeah. everybody in the room is horrified. They're scared to death. What might come next? So then we cut to a scene very similar to that where he's in a boardroom. And I yeah. think maybe this was one of these was a reshoot to make up for something that wasn't done in the previous one. Like perhaps the there was not supposed to be the scene of them watching it. And when they were looking at the movie cut together, there were people were wondering who this person was. Yeah. My favorite part of the boardroom, the boardroom meeting is miss tidings. Okay. I, I, I wanted to talk about this. Boy, please tell me about it. Well, so, uh, so apparently miss tidings was retained when Brell took over the network. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like he had cleaned house and kept her for whatever reason. Of course he would. She comes up with a, an idea to do a sitcom, and then he tells her to go take a leak. Yeah, take a leak. And tidings, take a leak. Now, so she was pretty much fired there. No, he, she just sat in the chair and took a leak. Okay. It, it seems, I don't know what that means. I've yeah. never heard that as an expression, nor have I heard jockass. This, yeah, is, this is not the way normal people <laughs> insult people. Yeah, she starts packing her stuff up almost as if that was code for, yeah, you're fired. And, yeah, go take a leak. Yeah, and I was I was wondering if, the, I can't imagine that, that there's any world where that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in this movie happens in any world. He's then showing the poster, he's like, I don't want a game show. This gets ratings. <laughs> this is what the people want. If I can get this jockass on my network, and then he smashes the paperweight on the table. Yeah, that's an impressive, impressive feat of strength. And I think this is the point where we realize that he's got this extreme tunnel vision that's going to prevent him from taking anybody's ideas, no matter how good they are. Right. All he wants is Rip. Now, let's talk about this actor. Kurt Fuller has done 162 movies. You have probably seen him in something. He's a great actor, a comedic actor, usually is in, he was in Wayne's World, Anger Management, does a lot of comedy stuff, and a very funny actor, still to this day, pops up in things a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he's, I'll tell you, he's, uh, he turns it to 10 for this, for this movie. He is, he is so over the top. Now, his two sidekicks, we've got Ordway and Unger, and Ordway, very famous actor, David Paymer, uh, probably best known for his part in City Slickers. He's one of the main guys that goes out. Him and his brother run an ice cream company, and he's one of the City Slickers with uh, with Billy Crystal in that movie. Yes. And the other guy is is Unger is played by Charles Levine or Levin. I don't know which way he pronounces it, but. Uh, he's got a pretty big bio and his main, his role that I looked at that I, I think most people would remember him from is the Seinfeld episode, The Briss. He was the moil in that and he didn't like kids and he ends up cutting Jerry's finger. Um, he's the, he, he's like the central part of that episode. So that's right. Right. I didn't make that connection. That's him. So we get the meeting of the jockass and Brell. Yeah. Hogan comes in, sits in his expensive chair, and it creaks it was made a little for, bit. For Louis the Fourteenth. Yeah, and he'd be proud to see Hogan <laughs> in it. So why did Hogan take this meeting if he was just gonna be like, I'm already signed to another network. I'm gonna leave now. 
Yeah. And well, and that brings up a lot of questions. He's under contract to WWF, obviously, and he's under contract to another TV network. So, right. it, yeah, like you said, it seems like he went there to waste everybody's time. <laughs> yes. So, so then um, uh, Brel's like, you know, is my money not good enough for you? Take the check. It's blank. Which when I when I was a kid, I was like, "Well, that's worthless." Why would you <laughs> give him a blank check? Uh, but there's no amount of money that yeah. would make him break that con, which apparently he could break. You know, yeah. apparently it's totally his choice. But yeah, he yeah. he decides that he doesn't want that money. Yeah, yeah. Brell gets pretty mad when when Rip turns down his offer, and um, he says, and, "Is my money not good enough for?" Yeah, me? and grabs him and. Rip goes back to the uh, the little table where the check is to 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 pick it up, and Brell turns to his cronies to, you know, and nods his head and mouths something that I couldn't make out watching it four times. And uh, you think that Rip's going to sign the check, but no, he shoves it down Brell's mouth and says, "I won't be here when this check clears." Thank God. I actually was, you know, in this type of movie, I was expecting a scene of Brell in the bathroom passing the check. <laughs> Yes, it could very well have made the movie. But no, he pulls it out of his mouth, I think, and is like, call security in the parking garage. We'll take care of him. So I guess they, they dope his uh, his limo driver and they put this other guy in place of him? Yes. Interesting, very interesting. The limo driver is driving away and you made the wrong turn, brother. Yep. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. And so then... So then Rip starts kicking the limo and this causes the the wheels of the limo, the entire limo to just sway from side to side. Yeah, and this guy he's 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 driving quite erratically and uh he he avoids several accidents. Well, but there's one he doesn't avoid. <laughs> oh no. So they get into the parking garage and Hogan Breaks through the sunroof just by leaping up. He jumps straight up through the sunroof, stands on the roof of the limo, and then has a really awesome fight where he throws oh. everybody around. Yeah, this was the, the the pinnacle of the movie for me. Was was this scene? Um, if they had decided to go a di- different direction after this scene, who knows what what they could have done? But this was the 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 exact point in the movie where they had me. Um, you know, Rip just tearing things apart and. One of the guys he beats up, I, I couldn't find his name, but in the movie Casino, there's a scene where Joe Pesci puts a guy's head in a vice, and this was the guy who had his head in a vice. Wow. Uh, which yeah, was that's, interesting. And then, and then he had to endure this as well. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the one funny thing in this scene, though, and it, it had the, uh, the, the, the car window glass that doesn't break like regular car window glass. In what way? You mean it, that it, it shatters? It, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't spider. Right. It breaks like, you know, the window in your house would. Yes, and it breaks like a window in a movie would. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. It is a great scene. And it ends with the limo driver who I want to say I've always thought, and I found no one else that has even asked this question online or anything, but I've always thought that this actor was cast because he looked like Richard Belzer. Richard Belzer had famously been put in a chokehold by Hawk Hogan after he egged Hogan on on his talk show. And Hogan put him in a chokehold and knocked him unconscious. And then Richard Belzer sued him. And that would have been just, you know, three, four years before this movie was made. And this guy looked a lot like him to me. Yeah, I know. That's a good point. I, I, I didn't catch that. But thinking about it now, I definitely see that. He had the big glasses on like right. Belzer. Definitely. And and I know if if nothing else, Vince and Hulk Hogan are very vindictive, revenge type people, and I could totally see th- this scene screams Vince McMahon to me. And oh, I sure. could totally see Vince being like, "Hey, you know the guy with the dookie? It'll be Belzer." <laughs> so yeah, so after he dispatches all of the, the the henchmen, he goes to the limo and he takes the door off of its. Off of its frame. Yeah. Now, this, this door, see, the driver door in a limo comes off easily if you pull it. But the back door, if you kick it really, really hard, it doesn't do anything but dent it. <laughs> oh, goodness. So what happens? He gets the limo driver. 
he pulls him out and and we 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 pan up and we see the the back of this guy's pants and suit and it looks like he sat in a puddle Mm, yes he did uh i mean he is just covered probably from what mid thigh up to lower back yeah is just it's so he's wet um, yeah and and and, and dirty and and hogan is making a noise that he makes he makes a lot of interesting noises during this movie yeah he totally mick foley's that fight during that fight he's (laughs) yeah 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 that mick foley you know uh grunting and so he grabs him he's what's that smell Dookie. Dookie? <laughs> this is a classic scene. I, you just got to wonder, though, I mean, what did this guy do to himself? What did he eat? I mean, that is, wow. He just had a lot to release when yeah, I, I, Hogan scared him. It almost seems like they had done a version of that scene, and maybe they, had, you know, they put a little mark <laughs> on his pants, and the director's like, I'm really not seeing it. You know, and they added a little more, and then finally Vince was like, just cover him in it. <laughs> you know. It very well could be. Oh boy, they're like they're like it needs to show up on home video. Put a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the biggest mess I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it is it is horrific. So we come right from this to a meeting with Samantha where where Hogan meets her for the first time, which has the weirdest introduction. The, there's a voiceover guy that comes on and says the line, uh, and I'll, I'll read it. This is mm-hmm. how it sounds. It goes, Rip, we need new leadership representing your talent. Sam is intelligent and aggressive. Rip, meet your new account executive, Sam. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a total, you know, total voiceover line. And then they cut, and there's like an old man standing there mm-hmm. with his back to the camera, and Hogan turns around, and he's like, Sam? And the guy's like, eh. He nods. It totally sounds like, for whatever reason, they sent this out to a, a you know a radio jock. Yeah, I think I think it's yeah I think it's something like that. I think maybe it was like that was the in-house guy that was at the studio because they probably looked at the scene and they were like, "Wow, we have a long scene with an old man trying to tell Hogan that <laughs> it's Sam," and so they're just like, "Sam is intelligent and aggressive." Rip, yeah. it's your new business partner. It was, I mean, it's so like just weird. It always struck me as weird. Almost every time I've seen this movie, that stands out to me. Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of those moments that happens in movies where you get taken out of the movie. Yeah. So Sam is the new account executive. She wants, she wants Hogan to merchandise, but Hogan, Rip doesn't do that. Rip just cares about his charity work and he wants to have dinner. (laughs) There's some really, really creepy Hogan stuff going on in this scene. Where uh, where Sam is, is giving her presentation to the you know boardroom full of people, and Hogan's like biting his thumb, and he's you, all you know, powder. Yeah, you know, you know, following her up and down, looking her up and down, and and making suggestive faces. It was, it was, it was pretty creepy. Yeah, he's way under, her and he's really rude. He's really yeah. rude to her. Yeah, but they go out to dinner together. This is a nice restaurant. They went to this oh. beautiful French restaurant where they thought Hulk Hogan might want to eat a foot long hot dog. What a or, hamburger. You won't find it here. Interesting scene. It goes yeah. from this restaurant to the bar scene, which which I find far better. Sure. The bar scene is just crazy. The bar scene is where is where Brell and his guys, I guess, looking for something go to what basically is probably what years later vince imagined an ecw event was (laughs) you've got you've got guys in the ring beating on each other there's a tattoo artist you know doing tattoos right there in the in the bar there's people spitting everywhere you Mm -hmm. know everything's just it's a total mess you got the waitress who'd like to be laid relayed and parlayed and He's then, got a, 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 a nasal problem and very bad teeth. Yeah, that's there are things going on there. there things the interesting thing about this scene was when she approaches them when they first get there and asks if they're cops, she's pretty much yelling. And their response back is at a normal voice. And oh, I know on, right. on, on, on most movies, you know, they film without music and they tell the actors, you know, act like you're, you know, you're yelling over music. But it only seems like one side got that direction. <laughs> I had not noticed that, but you're absolutely right. That is yeah. totally true. 
we get we do have some wrestling going on in this, and it's it's very interesting. Uh, Joe LaDuke is in the ring. And Joe LaDuke, very famous wrestler. I believe he was from the Memphis Territory. When I was a kid, I had seen a video of him holding a car back, leaning his back against the wall with his with his feet up on the bumper, and the car was apparently driving towards him. The wheels were squealing, and he was holding it back, which I just found absolutely mind-blowing. And a big, you know, bearded heel wrestler, you know, great guy who was hired to to play this character in the movie, which is listed as headbanger, uh, big headbanger. And the other guy's the other headbanger. And they even refer to them that way. They say, uh, you know, the, the two headbangers in the ring, you know, they're fighting each other. And he, Joe LaDuke, then got a run in the WWE under the name Butcher the Headbanger LaDuke. And he would headbutt his opponent into submission. And he didn't last very long. Was there for, you know, a matter of weeks or months, mostly house shows, that kind of stuff. And then he kind of went away. But if you see the coronation of King Haku, you can see Joe LaDuke in it. You also get Stan Hansen in the scene, who was uh, who plays plays the uh, the brother of the girl with the post-nasal drip problem. And we should talk about the bathroom scene with Stan Hansen, please. <laughs> Just describe it for for those who haven't seen it. What what goes down here? So the, the, the Brell's cronies uh, have to go to the bathroom because they forgot to go prior to, to coming to the bar. So they they go through the crowd and eventually find the the bathroom, which is labeled the VD room. Right. Yeah, it's the VD room. Yeah, That's and where it's you a, go to drain the old lizard. Yeah, it's a huge lizard. it's a huge room with. with uh, <laughs> with a dog, yes, uh, and um, a series of latrines uh, wow. that are just overflowing with uh, it's, it's nasty stuff. looking, nasty looking uh, liquid. It's, so it is something. And there's a trough. They go over to the trough. Yeah, and then this is where they lose their minds. And they, yeah, they they start talking some serious smack on the bar. Very loud too. Oh they yeah, go from being like incredibly timid as they walk up to the urinal to be like, hey. We're we're draining we're bleeding the old lizards. I guess we can talk really bad about everybody individually in the bar and describe them with great detail. So if anybody's overhearing us, they will kill us. <laughs> and so then, as if on cue, the the toilet flushes, and, and Hanson comes out. Yep, yep. And he comes over, and he checks them out, and he's ready to fight with them. But they've got teeny wangers. Yeah, it's yeah. It seems like he was getting ready to dunk their heads into the into the nasty liquid. Yeah, but the teeny lang- wangers. No, it's not. It's not even worth it at that. It's point. not worth it. You know, the, the, what are the odds that both of them would have teeny wangers? <laughs> this was uh, Stan Hansen's only foray into working for Vince Jr. You know, Vincent K. McMahon. Uh, he had worked in the WWF, and he's the one who actually actually broke uh, Bruno's neck. Uh, oh wow! Okay. But he broke his neck because he did a, uh, a pile driver incorrectly. Oh, but that'll do it. It's a body slam. He did a body slam incorrectly, but they blamed it on the lariat, which is not how he broke Bruno's <laughs> neck. But he uh, he did that in 1976 and, uh, you know, stuck around WWF actually long enough to have his retribution paid back to Bruno, you know, and have Bruno uh, beat him. Bruno beat him at Shea Stadium. That was on the undercard of the Ali Anoki fight. And Stan, I heard an interview with him where he was talking about this, and he said it was a lot of fun that you know that they they came to him and they asked him to do it. He said that when him and Joe Laduke are fighting later, there's the you know later in this scene, uh, Brell offers him money if he can go in there and beat up Joe Laduke, and he does. And he said that him and Joe LaDuke kept connecting, you know, that they didn't know how to wrestle without hitting each other. And that the camera crew was like, oh, you can do it from an angle. You know, you don't have to actually connect. He said, but they were exhausted at the end of every take because they kept, you know, wailing on each other. Uh, oh, he wow. said a lot of fun. And he said Vince had he, he there was no talk of him going to WWF after doing this movie just because mm-hmm. he had talked to Vince about it a number of times. Vince always told him that the door was open to him. But he he made so much money in Japan. I mean, he just made a fortune in Japan. And so he he really, once he went to Japan, he never really came back. He took the AWA title with him to Japan and didn't come back because he was getting so much money that he, you know, he said, you guys want it, you know, you can come get it. And yeah. they they stripped him of it on television. 
and they talked some smack about him, so he drove over it with his truck. And then <laughs> That's great. He was he was great in in, in this scene. Yeah, I'm stunned he's not an actor when you watch it. You know, if you don't if you don't know Stan Hansen, you watch this. This guy's a performer. Yeah. One thing I noticed here when he when he 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 offers a hundred thousand dollars tax free. Yeah. To the winner of the of the Battle of the Tough Guys. Okay. Brell <laughs> does not live in the same universe that you and I do. In his universe, someone that wins money in a wrestling match gets to keep it tax free. That's allowed. It's a world of jockasses, all right? It's, we, we don't understand this. In our world, the top wrestler cannot make, you know, NBC the top network. But yeah, we yeah. live in the same world as Brell, so you don't have to question that. I wasn't sure if they were like, you will cover the taxes, but ultimately you'll have to, you know, yeah, I guess it's one of those. This is the problem you have with that you're analyzing. You're like, well, then who's paying the taxes? Or is it a tax cheat? Why is he telling everyone? I also love the fact that it seems that's what makes it seems appealing to the tough guys that respond. Yeah, they're like money, but and I don't want to pay taxes. Yeah. I like not like not like not like a hundred thousand wouldn't be life changing for any of them anyway. Oh, these are some guys they show here. Um, Brock Chisler. And <laughs> I mean, these people are great. My favorite one, of course, is Klondike Kramer. Even as a, as a Ute, when I saw this movie, I recognized him right off. This was the Duke of Dorchester. Yes. Probably the greatest jobber in the history of wrestling. Uh, Pete Doherty, who had a long time running thing where the commentators would always say, Gorilla would say, you know, he's lost 298 matches. You know, he's lost 300 matches in a row, you know, and he'd always come out, you know, and uh, he was he was just obnoxious and really unappealing physically. I mean, he was just a lanky, ugly dude. Yeah, with with a lot of missing teeth. Yes. And he's great in this. He's spraying himself with like an aerosol can. Yeah. And he's the one Brell doesn't want to go near. Mm -hmm. And then we're introduced to Tom Tiny Lister, who is well known to everybody for his acting other than this movie. I mean, you've seen him in Friday playing Devo and, and he's got that great scene in The Dark Knight. But because of this movie, this man is a professional wrestler and is forever linked with the sport of professional wrestling on some level. Sure. Well, one thing I noticed was we we just finished a long stretch after this sequence where we went a really long period of time without seeing Rip. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, is why they cut to him watching this at his house, mm -hmm. they break in, which uh, his house in this movie looks so much like his home from Hogan's Hogan Knows Best, his his real life home that now his ex-wife and a 15 year old shit. <laughs> Oh my god! I, it wasn't she. Was she dating like a seventeen-year-old kid or something? Yeah, I think it was one of Bru, uh, uh, one of the one of the one of either Brooks or Nick's classmates. Oh boy, oh Babu! Can uh, you imagine? No, I can't. I don't want to imagine. Uh, but so he's a killer. He's a murderer. And yeah. uh, uh, Bill Henderson, I don't remember what his character is. Charlie, I think, in the movie says, "I didn't think they'd ever let him out." But apparently yeah. they let him out. He wins the battle of the tough guys. He's so yeah, <laughs> that's great. He he rips. Uh, he does a lot of yelling first of all, which I really loved. I just love the, the the grunting and the yelling he did. He picks uh, a woman up by her face yeah. and tosses her aside like she's trash. But he also rips a piece of uh, Stan Hansen's hair out, just yanks it right out of his head, and holds it up to Brell, and then holds it up to the crowd and yells. God, he's great. He, yeah. he is so good in this movie. I was uh, so surprised by his performance. I watched this movie and I was like, this guy is the next big wrestling star. Thought he would have been much bigger than he ended up being, but God, he was he was intimidating and he was oh yeah, especially when when Brell goes uh, goes introduce him as the winner of the Battle of Guys and hands him the mic. Uh, it is great. It's a great delivery, and you know he he definitely is is a good villain for this movie. At this point, we get a little bit more, you know, a little more boardroom stuff, which is kind of dull. But uh, we get another match after this. You want to talk about this? Yeah, we get uh, Lug Wrench Perkins. Versus Zeus, and we are on Lugwrench's home turf. Right. Tell us about Lugwrench. It turns out Lugwrench, and I didn't realize this until I watched this movie and then looked him up, 
But uh, the actor who played Lug Wrench was Jeep Swanson, who was a WCCW wrestler in 87 and 88, and he feuded with Bruiser Brody. Mm-hmm. And he came back at, in, in uh, WCW in, in the mid-90s as the final solution yes. when Zeus was over there as Z-Gangster. Right. And they were both trying to destroy Hulkamania. Yeah. Jeep Swanson, this was a guy who would, he, he was an actor and a wrestler and it just, whatever paid the bills. You know, he, if there was a better deal, you know, back in wrestling, he went back and wrestled a little bit. Um, the final solution, that was incredibly controversial when they did that. They had to sure, almost immediately change it because wrestling has a whole lot of people who don't think things through before they put them on television. <laughs> Especially WCW. Jeez. Um, he also, he, this is the guy who played Bane in Batman and Robin. This is, uh, yeah. um, uh, this, this is a big, big man, uh, and yeah. sadly died 1997 at the age of 40. His eulogy, he had a eulogy done by James Caan and a eulogy done by Hulk Hogan. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So very sad end, but he gets a, a moment of glory here against Zeus before he goes down swinging plug wrench. <laughs> Is not able to beat Zeus, and there we go. We got now. The other thing I was wondering is, mm-hmm. what was the incentive to beat Zeus at that point as a challenger? Were you you now that crowned the new Battle of the Tough Guys champion, yeah, yeah. or was there a hundred thousand dollars on the line every week? You know what I'm thinking with the amount of money Bro must have been making. You know, off the battle, the tough guys was almost putting him to the top. You know, maybe yeah. it was a hundred thousand every time, and tax free. Tax. <laughs> you probably get a little of Stan Hansen's hair too. <laughs> we get we get Hawk Hogan on a plane. When they showed this plane, I was totally like, "This is stock footage. We're yeah. we're going to see the plane land, and then they'll cut to them standing in a hallway." But we actually see them get off the plane. Yeah. Um, so they they had the budget at least to to drive to a plane. Which was great. Um, we get uh, we get the the scene at the diner. Yeah, this we is, get some filler. Exciting. <laughs> Hope goes to a diner and some some burglars, some robbers come in and and they're they're going to rob the diner. So Hogan throws food at them. Yeah, there's a, a huge food fight. Uh, and these are armed robbers uh, with guns with ammo in them because at one point a gun is fired so it wasn't even like they ran in there with you know fake guns or something yeah did you notice the song that was playing during this i do not recall it's all my rowdy friends are coming over tonight this is the monday night football theme you know that <laughs> Junior did for all those years i knew this song from this movie i don't know the story behind it i don't know if it was used for football first but the first time i heard it was on this and then i heard it on monday night football and i was like the i got ketchup on my blue jeans song from no holds barred oh that's funny yeah it's it's great great scene then we go to the bedroom and and this is where hogan be- or rip becomes where- uber jerk yes Everything about this scene makes no sense. They go into the bedroom. Apparently the hotel booked all but this one room. So, which I will say later, I think what you can infer back to this scene is that she set it up so they would be in the same room. Because, you know, she's she's double dealing behind Rip's back with Brell. And yeah, I think she was supposed to seduce him, and yes. for whatever reason, she has a change of heart, I think, because she starts to like this guy who's an incredible jerk. Yes, so he makes this room divider that I don't know how it stays up. He's like, I'll take a little bit of tape, tape it to the wall, and then put yeah. a, big, a big blanket over it, and the blanket will be held up by, by tape. Yeah, so at this point, she's in the bathroom getting ready, and I, I, I want to ask you something here, because I, I have a fear that I've been, I've been doing it wrong for... <laughs> A couple of years or most of my life. But uh, when they're doing their, their dental uh, routine, um, they brush their teeth and they're both brushing their teeth at the yeah. same time. And, and then they, they use their mouthwash. Right. Now, I do that in the opposite order. You do mouthwash before you brush your teeth? Yes. I believe you're doing it backwards. Wow. I, I think you are. Wow. It, 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 the fact that they both did it, I said, wow. I said, maybe I'm doing it wrong. And I, I wanted to make it a point to ask you because. Oh, I think you're it, doing it wrong because I think you, I think the mouthwash is supposed to be the last thing in your mouth. So it stays in there to kill those germs. You're, OK, you're, you're brushing and rinsing that mouthwash out. Wow. Oh, man. Should, should we just wait a couple minutes for you to go 
<laughs> mouthwash in there? Well, my life will change tonight. You know, wow, when I go through my. This movie's done so much for us. It's it's <laughs> now it's it's taught us the word jockass, and it's now told you the order of mouthwash and teeth brushing. This is fantastic. I know, I know. So uh, so Sam comes out of the bathroom, and Hogan is still, or Rip is still. You know, uh, gargling his his mouthwash and but he she swallows su- it. Yeah, she surprises him and he and he swallows it. I will say this: there's a lot to question here. I don't know why Rip isn't like, "I'll sleep on the floor. You can have the bed." There's a lot I don't get about how this whole scene goes down, but I'm not going to question it because there's a lot I don't get about everything else in this movie. But yeah. here's where I kind of fall out: she dozes off. And then wakes up to him working out. Is this nighttime or this, or is this now morning? Or does he wake up at 3 a.m. to noisily work out when there's a woman next to him? Does he have to work out every few hours to keep the rip shape? Yeah, it, it definitely, the, the editing here was confusing because it did seem like it was sometime after she had fallen asleep. And it wasn't, e- either it wasn't Rip's bedtime yet or... He decided to start exercising. But either way, it was incredibly inconsiderate of him, too, because he's doing uh, raised push-ups yes. with his, his feet on the bed. And you get a, you cut to a shot of Sam, yeah. and the bed is shaking. Right. And, and she it, looks over and thinks she sees his jock ass, but it's really <laughs> his, his, his heels real close together. But then she leans forward, and we get to see a shot of him in his incredibly tight underwear from that angle. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so it's like the shock that they give us. Then they're like, nah, take a look at it for real. That's yeah. Right. So then uh, he finishes working out and he jumps into bed. Yes, he's insane. He's I insane. can't imagine that's a good idea anywhere but in your home where you have your big rip reinforced bed. Right. Yeah. I would think that that even regular size people know you you shouldn't jump into bed as, as hard as you can. But if you're a giant like like Rip, you should know this. You should know not to do this. But she's then mad at him, and he says that, that that he'll just spend the night in the lobby, which must have been really entertaining for everyone that worked in that hotel. Yeah. They're like, there's a giant wrestler who apparently is the biggest star in the world. Yeah, yeah. On the Because ca- he's the guy who makes or breaks networks, and he's lying <laughs> on a couch. Yes, in a hotel lobby. So uh, we immediately then cut to uh, we cut away from their their overnight trip, whatever reason it was for them to go on the trip. And Sam is now this is where we see the big reveal, the the Sam heel turn that is really not important at all. No, no. And it's yeah. a scene with, with Sam and, and Brell in his office uh, and, and she blames him for for screwing it up by uh, canceling the room. And he says, you were supposed to seduce him. And she says, I had a change of heart. He's a really nice guy. And this just seemed completely pointless to me. It almost seemed like, you know, a, a Russo swerve before the Russo swerve. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's and just... It had no bearing on the plot. It, it, it seemed awkward because there was no indication that she was trying to sabotage anything. And then we learn that she didn't sabotage anything because she had a change of heart. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, it could have been cut out of the movie, I almost think. But the movie is, has a scant runtime as it is. So <laughs> it's in there. Then she comes and cries to Rip after Brell. I mean, he's pretty rough with her to begin with. You know, I mean, yeah. Brell, Brell is 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 uh, is is not a good guy in, in any sense of the word. This is this is one of the harshest human beings that has ever lived. And then we see Hogan in his tie dyed shirt making out with her. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. We then have his charity work, which, you know, because now that she she's come around, she's like, well, his charity work is most important. So Zeus lands in his rainbow helicopter. (laughs) I was just going to say that the helicopter lands and you get this awesome, you know, for lack of a better word, hero shot where in slow motion, Zeus is leading the pack with Brel and his two cronies. And it's a really great you know, mm-hmm. hero shot for, yes. you know, yes, yes, and yes. they've got this ridiculous looking helicopter behind them. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, does, does Rip even turn down the offer at this point? I think he just doesn't fight him. He, I think he doesn't say anything. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't say anything. And that seems to be in a definitive answer according to Brill. Yeah. So, so we get a scene with Charlie, we get, we get Sam getting, getting almost raped. Yeah. Uh, oh, I think it's crazy. If, if, if Rip didn't show up, Sam was going to get yeah. raped. That's what Brell does. He's like, yeah. well, okay. You know, that's probably what the limo driver was leading Hogan to. You know, that's sure. probably, <laughs> oh, if there God. hadn't been Dookie, <laughs> there was probably all kinds of bad things coming for Rip. 
Because uh, so, this, this Rouse, that's his deal. Yeah. And Hogan shows up on a motorcycle right. in the parking garage where she's about to get raped. And instead of jumping off the motorcycle and, and dealing with this guy, he decides to taunt him and, and chase him on the motorcycle. Yeah. Considering the severity of what was about to happen, you'd think right. he'd he wouldn't have taken any chances and just been like, you know what, I'm just going to run this guy down and take care of him. But instead, he he chases him on the motorcycle, clips him a few times, and then gets him up on the handlebars. Yeah. He comes up behind him. The guy's bending over, looking through his legs, and scoops him right up. Right. Uh, he makes the rip him sign. He says, you and a me in a tree or something. <laughs> yeah. Slams on the brake, and the guy goes flying head first into the tree. Right, yeah. A little George it, of the Jungle action. <laughs> It just didn't seem like an appropriate reaction based no. on what was about to happen. But again, we this is not the world that you and I live in. This is a yeah. this is a fictitious world that's that's insane. Uh, and this is how things go down. By the way, that is Hogan on the motorcycle in these scenes. Hogan didn't have a stunt double for almost any scenes in this movie for obvious reasons. It's hard sure. to it's kind of like if you ever see The Princess Bride, there are some stunt shots where the where Andre's supposed to be riding a horse. And yeah. Andre was too big to ride a horse. So they, yeah. if you see the horse scenes, you see a guy and you're like, well, that's not Andre. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, Hulk Hogan's another guy that there's not many people his size. So to get a stunt double is very hard. So, yeah. but Hogan, you know, is a guy who owns motorcycles and, yeah. and does some pretty fancy turns in this. It's pretty, pretty exciting. And, um, it's a good scene. Yeah. You should, yeah. And you should watch this scene when you see the clip of Hogan, not able to ride a motorcycle yeah. on. Was it raw a couple uh, years ago? I think it was SmackDown. It, I think it was SmackDown about yeah. ten years ago. He he comes tries to come down to the ring on his motorcycle and boy he had more problems than <laughs> he just kept, <laughs> it just kept stalling on him. Oh yeah. horrible. He was a little he was a little uh, a little trigger happy uh, on yeah. the gas there. But we also get uh, an incredible acting moment from Ho- from Hogan here, where Rip says he hates to see uh, Sam hurt or scared. <laughs> Uh, I hate to see hurt or scared. And she says, I know. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're close. That's why this scene has to be there. Uh, Zeus is having another fight. He's fighting a guy named Rebar, who is played by an indie wrestler named Giant Gustav. I was able to find one match of him online. Not much information, but I did see him wrestle somebody else. Uh, looks kind of like he did in this movie. I see why he didn't go much further. <laughs> <laughs> and this is another point in the movie where I think I'm not going to say Randy deserves what he gets, but he kind of deserves what he gets. Yeah. No, Randy, first of all, shouldn't be there. And then his friend's an idiot. He's like, we're Peter Rick Berg fans, looking guy. And he's his brother. <laughs> yeah. I originally I had to go up and look this guy up because I thought it was Peter Berg. Oh, his his friend. Yeah. Oh, okay. But the actor who plays Randy is Mark Pelleg- uh, Pellegrino. And he, his, his big part, uh, that everybody will probably remember him from is he's one of the guys looking for the money from Lebowski in the beginning of big Lebowski. And he looks in that movie a lot like Chris Jericho. (laughs) Yes. For years we called him the Chris Jericho. Every time he showed up in a movie, we're like, Oh, it's the Chris Jericho guy. He's very buff in that movie and he's not in this movie. And I watched some behind the scenes footage of this. That's on Hulkamania four, by the way, if you seek that out. And he talks about how he's starting to work out because he met Hogan and Hogan was showing him how to work out. And there's some, there's a scene that's cut from the movie where they work out together and he does not have the arms that he had later in Big Lebowski. Oh, wow. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. So this movie did a lot of good things for a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Rip goes into the training facility that Zeus has. He's got this very nice training facility where he punches at cinder blocks. Yeah, with a ring with Zeus written everywhere on the on the apron uh, around each each corner and a big Z made out of neon, and and Hogan breaks it up. He's he's really mad, and mm-hmm. and we hear Brell's voiceover telling him that uh, that telling I guess Zeus that Rip says the worms are too good for you, and Rip says the maggots will gag on your flesh. Yeah, it was, uh, I guess, the way to motivate Zeus. Very uh, strange. Who didn't really seem to need motivation. That's what I'm saying. It <laughs> seemed to me that Zeus is going to take Rip apart. I mean, this is yeah. a, a done deal. Mm-hmm. But so, so, so we get we get Zeus training. Zeus trains after this because they commit to the fight, and Rip's just sitting at Randy's bedside. Yeah. And we got the hologram. You want to talk about the hologram? <laughs> Well, when 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 Rip's tearing apart the gym, he he goes into a room and he sees Zeus. 
Yes. And you think, oh, here's going to be the big showdown. And he rushes it and he crashes into a mirror. And it turns out that there was a, a holographic image of Zeus being projected in the room by a 35 millimeter slide projector. <laughs> so we get to the main event. Uh, it's a gala occasion. Everyone is, is dressed to the nines. Tuxes and, and yeah, evening gowns. Yeah. yeah, there is there is no one here that is not arriving in a limo. I mean, this is a fancy, fancy event. This is this is top notch. And uh, uh, Rip is told that that he's got to take a dive, but that that does that falls apart on Brell, and so Brell loses his mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just starts ripping up all of his equipment, which doesn't make any sense to me. There's nothing. I mean, we haven't we have seen him throw things earlier. I guess maybe this is the culmination of that little character character trait is that now he he tears things up with his hands. Yeah. And he takes them off air, which doesn't even seem like it was a calculated thing. You just see the technical difficulties thing behind him. And I could kind of see it if he was like, I don't want anybody to see Zeus lose. But it seemed like he was just losing his his shit and. Destroying the studio. So, um, losing his dookie. Yes. <laughs> so, Zeus takes it, you know, does the job. Uh, Rip wins. Brell gets electrocuted and dies. Zeus is possibly dead. I mean, this is a pretty, pretty violent end, but nobody in the crowd seems to care. Everybody's cheering. Yep. Everybody's overjoyed with the ending. And, and Brell's body were. I mean, people in there probably can smell his flesh burning. Sure, he, then, he gets lit up for a long time. So then we cut to the shot from earlier of Rip doing the Rip'em sign. You had pointed this out to me. I had never noticed this. Yeah, it's clearly, it looks like it was stolen from the, uh, the opening bout because you can definitely see the normal arena in the background. It, it just seemed weird to me. Yeah. After this, Zeus had a run. After the credits roll... They decided that a great way to tie this movie into the programming would be to give Zeus a run in the WWF, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, yeah. He was mad that Hogan got top billing. That, <laughs> that was his feud with Hogan. He said, you know, Hogan shouldn't have got top billing. I should. And I saw him give an interview where he's like, he's like, Hogan, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you after the movie, after I get out of prison. <laughs> and he goes, and I'm, I feel sorry for you, Hawkamaniacs, because you little kids, after I'm done with Hogan, I'm coming for you. Yeah. Which, the funniest thing there is, he was Zeus. Yeah. So he was Zeus right out of the movie, right. who really, realistically, shouldn't have a problem with Hulk Hogan. He should have a problem with Rip. Right. But it, I don't know. But they, they did a really good job promoting this. I went back and watched a couple episodes of Primetime Wrestling. The week before this came out, they did the whole episode. That's all they kept talking about. And then the week this came out, they did the episode from a movie theater. They were in the theater. There's an audience about to watch. Oh, wow. TV. Then they go to the lobby of the theater and they sit there uh, and you know do the interstitials throughout the show where... During that time, apparently the audience is watching the movie. We get to see uh, Jack Tunney walk by and say, I got my ticket. I'm going in. And <laughs> and uh, a handful of other, you know, Arnold Scollin comes by, you know, with his ticket and the Bush oh, is there. Yeah, they really promoted this. This was, you know, they jammed this down the throats of the audience and, and in the best possible way that a, that a wrestling promotion can do that. And so Zeus shows up on WWF TV. Shows up at Saturday's main event, beats up Hogan before his match with the Big Boss Man. Then there's a tag match at SummerSlam involving Hogan and Beefcake and Savage and Zeus. And Hogan pins Zeus, but only after hitting Zeus with a loaded purse. So we believe Zeus is still unstoppable as long as he's not hitting the head with a brick. So we then get the Survivor Series where Zeus takes Hogan out almost. Just you know, beats him senseless and then gets DQ'd. So this leads to the no holds barred pay-per-view, which was the movie and the match. And that's what I watched before this. And so you see Mean Gene at ringside. They set up the steel cage. The audience watches the match, watches the movie. And then we see this steel cage match between Hogan and Beefcake versus Savage and Zeus. And this is it. Hogan gets the conclusive win. And we don't see Zeus again until 1996 when he shows up in WCW. Wow. 
as the gangster. <laughs> and we can only imagine that WCW uh, dumped a whole bunch of money in his lap because yeah. there was a period of time where they had a whole lot of money to dump. Well, I will say this. He said that when they came to him, he said Linda McMahon came to him and asked him to do the wrestling stuff. And he said, I, I can't, you know, I'm an actor. Uh, and she said, we'll give you forty to $50,000 for 10 minutes of work. You go in wow. the ring for 10 minutes, you get forty to fifty grand. And so he he said, that's great. I got to do this. So it's very interesting. Um, Hogan was off TV for eight weeks, they said, to shoot this. But I looked it up, and Hogan was off WWE TV from April of 1988, which was shortly after Randy Savage won the, the uh, uh, WWF title at WrestleMania in the tournament. From, uh, from DiBiase. Yes. So he, he wins it in the tournament from DiBiase, and he wasn't seen on TV Shortly after WrestleMania, he disappeared. Maybe at WrestleMania, he didn't come back after that. Didn't come back on TV until July 13th when Macho Man introduced him as his uh, tag team partner for SummerSlam, you know, in the wow. match. So, and and at that point, he was then off TV until f- July 31st. So he barely was on TV up through SummerSlam. I mean, he, he you know, popped on occasionally, but he, he had a lot of time off to shoot this movie. And also, Brooke was born. Brooke Hogan was born on, I think, May 5th of 1988. So there's a lot going on for the Hulkster. Sure. And, and now at least I know on Cinco de Mayo now I, have a, I, can, I can celebrate uh, Brooke's birthday as well. You get yourself a Brooke-teeny. <laughs> So, so that was, that's how it went down. It was a, it was a very interesting time in wrestling. This is a really important movie, I think, to professional wrestling. I think this movie, for all the things it did, I think it brought wrestling into a, a, a different arena and made people think that it would be normal to see Hulk Hogan on a movie screen or a TV screen acting in some fashion for many years to come. And he kept on doing that. I think he's still doing that somewhere. Yes. And I'm sure uh, as this this podcast goes on, we're going to get into more and more of Hogan's uh, back catalog. Uh, his oeuvre is uh, <laughs> really something. All right. Let me ask you, did you tap watching No Holds Barred? I did. I did tap. It was one of those uh, long drawn out, but I finally tapped. Yes. You got to tap. I, you know, I mean, I can't in good conscience say that I didn't tap during this movie. I love this movie. If you're a wrestling fan, you need to watch this movie over and over again. But this oh, definitely cannot be recommended for any reason other than the fact that it's insane. And yes. so I would say I tapped out when I found out that Sam was intelligent and aggressive. Because by that point in the movie, things had just gone bonkers and crazy. Yeah, my moment was the the, the, the bar scene uh, that we talked about and the start of the long run where you don't see Hogan. Yeah, yeah. I do want to bring up, I went to the IMDb message board for this movie and I found a post that's worthy of inclusion. <laughs> it reads, I have too much time on my hands. Anyway, there seems to be a few references to... Brell's orientation. What? Is he a fruit? <laughs> of course this is on IMDb. Yeah, that's all they're ever concerned about. It says, check out his response and body position when Rip is bending over to pick up the blank check in his office. <laughs> oh, goodness. When they go to the bar and she says, you must be looking for the gay bar, it cuts to a shot of Brell. <laughs> he seems particularly attracted to to Bulldog when he's first introduced to him at the Battle of the Tough Guys. His facial expression upon seeing Zeus in his first match, as well as when Zeus beats up Randy, he seems real hot in the biscuit to congratulate him. (laughs) His rainbow-themed helicopter. That's the only thing I will give this uh, this poster. (laughs) And... He has no interest in women, so he doesn't mind firing them and hitting them either. Not to mention, he prefers to be surrounded by two dudes. <laughs> so that's that's what you'll find on the IMDb message board. What do we have coming up next, Craig? Uh, next week, with The Expendables 2 coming out, we'll be doing the first Expendables with Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is great. And there is also... A very big WWE tie-in to two of the other actors in this movie, and we'll talk about that on the next Camel Clutch Cinema 
podcast, which you can find us on the web at camelclutchcinema.blogspot.com. So we'll see you next time with The Expendables. When you're back to the wall, what will your answer be? Will you run for the door? Will you run out on me like it's hard? It's no Good enough for you? I find that a little hard to swallow, you jockass!